This is WCN. The Whole Care Network. You talk. We listen. Content presented on the following podcast is for information purposes only. Views and opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent views of the Whole Care Network. Always consult your physician for medical and fitness advice, and always consult your attorney for legal advice. And thank you for listening to the Whole Care Network. I decided to start Smile Insight to begin changing the framework in which social work and mental health services are provided to people living with AOS. We all have our stories, and by sharing them, we can truly show the power of the human spirit. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Gratitude to Latitude, Stories of Resilience and Hope. This episode is the first of three in a series to recognize ALS Awareness Month, which is May. I am interviewing three incredible individuals who define my mission and this exact podcast. So I'd like to welcome my first guest, Dr. Jeremy Ventress. Jeremy's journey will leave you in awe. Here's a little about him and then I'll let him tell you more. I also wanna share before we get started that Jeremy is on a ventilator. He's living with ALS and I do mean living. And he is talking to us through a speaking device. Dr. Van Tress has a beautiful wife, Courtney, six children. He has served on many missions in his life. He is a Pat Tillman scholar and now has political aspirations. I am so excited to welcome Jeremy to Gratitude to Latitude. And I just want to also start by thanking him for serving our country. Jeremy, welcome Thanks so much, Jody. It is an honor to be with you today. So I mentioned that you are a Pat Tillman scholar, and I want to share a quote because this quote defines you. Somewhere inside, we hear a voice. It leads us in the direction of the person we wish to become, but it's up to us whether or not to follow. So that's a quote of Pat Tillman's, and to me that exemplifies you, Jeremy. So as I said from the very start, ALS does not define you. When were you diagnosed? I love that quote from Pat Tillman. It means so much that you would associate me with his words. I was diagnosed 6 February of 2017. I couldn't think of a better quote to associate you with. And I am just going to put it out there that I look at you as a Renaissance man. And the admiration I have for you is off the charts. So as I said, ALS does not define you. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But I like to start with the fact that we are who we are when we're children. 
And I like to recognize the characteristics that we have as children because sometimes as we grow older and become adults, we neglect the calling and the skills and the interests and the passions that we once had and get engulfed by having careers that make money and that do this and do that. And so I know that when you were 19 years old, you did mission work in Chile. So I'd like you to tell me more about that. What did you do? And how did you feel about that experience? Although I was baptized in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints when I was 12, I wasn't until I was 17 when I started having discussions with the missionaries who were serving in my area. At that time, I was thirsting for direction and a sense of dependability from God and developed a strong affinity toward the doctrine. Eventually, after I finished high school, I had a decision to make in the church. The young men are expected to put tears of their lives aside and dedicate themselves to a full-time mission. At the time, I had just signed a letter of intent to run competitively for California State Long Beach's cross-country and track team. Within a few months, after being disappointed with the atmosphere, I changed my mind and decided to work two jobs to save money for my mission. I worked a total of 60 hours a week at a local running shop during the day and at Blockbuster Video during the evenings until 2 a.m. in my free time. I went out with the missionaries serving in my area to prepare myself spiritually. I left for my mission in June of 2001. Because I had already lived on my own for nearly three years, I didn't struggle with missing home as much as other missionaries did. I had become very disciplined in my time and my thoughts. I spent three months learning the Spanish language in the missionary training center in Provo, Utah, and then I was flown to the Vina del Mar mission, which ranged from northern San Diego up to the Antofagasta Desert. I arrived in Chile in late August. Consequently, I was in Chile when the towers fell on September 11, which had a real effect on me. I felt completely powerless being across the world as my country they were suffering. During my mission, I spent a lot of time with fellow missionaries we referred to as companions, walking and knocking on doors to talk with anyone who would listen to our message. We awoke no later than 6.30 in the morning and went to bed no later than 10.30 every night. We worked at least 12 hours every day. We walked in the rain, in the mud and sometimes took buses or taxis to places that were far away or deep in the country. We also did service projects, helping people repair their homes or any other jobs they needed done. We taught English to people who wanted to learn the language. I learned so much during my mission and grew exponentially. I developed a strong connection to studying and reading, which I hated earlier in life. That period really set me on a course to succeed academically and professionally later in life. Well, that sounds like an absolutely incredible and meaningful and powerful experience. And I'm sure that you touched so many lives in Chile. And I can understand completely how that experience being so far away at 9-11, during 9-11, would make you feel somewhat alone and sad. That that loss was so impactful. 
and devastating on 3,000 lives. And I know that we were all nation in mourning. So as you're doing service in Chile, you're also worried about your service in the United States. And that leads me to the fact that you served our country in the Army. Would you like to share a little bit about that? I love my time in the Army. While military service is always fun, it's certainly rewarding and life-changing. Basic training was a breeze for me. I was older than most of the other soldiers, so my nickname was Grandpa. I was a top performer during the officer candidate school and was therefore able to choose whichever branch I wanted. Being torn between being an infantry officer and a human resources officer, I selected human resources because I felt it would give my family more predictability. While I was learning human resources in basic officer leaders course, I applied for and became the first lieutenant selected for the Weform Gear Officer Development Program at the Joint Special Operations Command. While I can't talk much about what I did there, I was the first second lieutenant to serve there and contribute to missions that freed Americans in captivity and hunted the worst people imaginable. I slept good at night knowing that I was making a difference in the world. After the Joint Special Operations Command, I served as a post-platoon leader and a human resource manager at the 82nd Airborne Division, which included a nine-month deployment to Afghanistan. I went on reserve status in 2015 while I pursued medical school. And when you graduated from medical school, you delivered medical supplies to the vulnerable. I can't imagine anyone calling you grandpa, but how old were you at that point? I was 27 when I enlisted in the Army. Okay, I had no idea that that was old. I'm 55, so that seems really young. But I need you to let those individuals know that you are not grandpa, but you are Renaissance man, and you were also Marathon Monkey. And I know that because you have an email that includes that title, and I know that you were a runner. So I don't think there's anything you haven't done and haven't done successfully. So you're serving in the Army. ALS retired you in 2018. And then, you know, you're thinking, okay, what should I do? Hmm, maybe I should go. I have my master's and maybe I should get my doctorate. So you are the recipient of the Pat Tillman Scholarship in 2019. And I have beside me your thesis, which is the equivalent of a book in your work to become a therapist, which led to a whole nother thing. So I want you to talk a little bit about that time. What's it like to be a scholar, to go through excelled training, and also juggle a family, six kids, and ALS? Medical school didn't work out for me. I think partly because I was already so thematic of ALS. I was formally diagnosed with ALS in February 2017, which propelled me into early retirement. After I was diagnosed, I took about a year to live as much life as I could. My family and I went on several cross-country road trips, moved to Oregon, and because I loved jumping from airplanes during my time in the Army, I even did a final tandem free fall jump. 
while cross-eyed and soft of my bucket list was incredible. I was very fulfilled. I had a difficult time adjusting to early retirement. I wanted more from my life besides doing fuck days, watching Netflix entirely too much, and being on Facebook too often. I asked my wife what she would think about me taking some classes to help me pass the time. Surprisingly, she said, Well, why don't you go after the doctoral degree you've always wanted to do? After thinking and praying about it, I decided to start my doctoral program, not knowing if I would live long enough to finish it. Although the post-9-11 GI Bill would help me pay the tuition, I looked into scholarship opportunities to help me offset the additional costs. I had always been a huge fan of Pat Tillman and appreciated that he gave up his professional football career to serve and ultimately paid the ultimate prize. I chose to apply to be a Pat Tillman scholar partly because of his story and partly because I wanted to be part of the community of venue and Taipei, go-getters that don't let obstacles deter them. Doing all of that work while managing the OS and my family wasn't easy. I must give massive credit to my sweet wife who gave so much and supported me along the way. It was a lot of long days and nights of doing nothing but academic work. I know Courtney, your wife, and she is incredible. And I thank you for recognizing the power of working together, caregiving, and having dreams as a team, because I know that it takes two. So I thank you for, for sharing her role in your success as well. So you amazingly become doctor. Jeremy Van Tress, and then something stirs in you. Once again, there's a theme here, which I absolutely love. You follow your dreams and your intuition. You pray on it and you see what's next. And what was next for you was something that I know a lot about, starting a nonprofit. So in the other room, I have a shirt from your nonprofit, which is called Smile Inside. Could you please tell us what the mission is of Smile Inside and how, who you serve and how people can get in touch with you? I founded Smile Inside because I noticed the gap in mental health services for people living with ALS in terms of accessibility, versatility, affordability, and being focused on people living with ALS. While many people living with ALS receive some level of mental health monitoring during their quarterly ALS multidisciplinary clinic appointments, many cannot get ongoing mental health or social work care. Many people with ALS have physical, geographic, financial, and other limitations that prevent them from getting meaningful mental health care. I decided to start Smile Inside to begin changing the framework in which social work and mental health services are provided to people living with AOS. People who need help can get in touch with me by going to my website, smile-inside.org, and clicking on the Make an Appointment link. Congratulations for accomplishing two huge goals. And to also thinking outside the box and providing something that's definitely needed. I truly appreciate that. It's something that I think about a lot when there is a need, how that need can be filled. And you've provided that. And I know that 
the community, the ALS community, which is a great community of people, appreciate the path that you have led and the leadership as well, the example and the leadership as well that you continuously inspire us with. And so a question that I have for you is all of these things that you've done are not small tasks. These are huge endeavors. And you've done so with dignity, loyalty, integrity. And someone might say, well, how do you live in gratitude each day while living with ALS? What advice would you have or recommendation would you have for someone who is trying to develop more gratitude in his or her life, not necessarily while living with ALS, but while living with any challenge? Gratitude is so important. My advice is to try to find gratitude in everything about life, even the hard times. While I'm sure no one wants terrible things to happen, I think there's wisdom in being grateful for how our efforts that we can make us stronger and better people, if we let it. In the moments we feel the most vulnerable and hopeless, my advice would be to pick as deep as necessary to find at least one thing for which they can be grateful. And let those things be fierce anchors and beacons that hope to turn to impact get hard. In my experience, despite the abuse, suicidality, experiencing the devastation of war, and even being on the brink of death that I've experienced, there is always something to be grateful for. I love what Tony Robbins once said. When you are grateful, there disappears and abundance APPARS. Such wisdom in your words, Jeremy. Thank you so much. I know that we've talked a lot about what you've accomplished, and I'm sitting here in awe. We also have a very serious subject of ALS. What would you like the world to know about the huge community of people who live with ALS each and every day, the caregivers and the children involved? What would you like the world to know? And what would you like to see take place? In the future, I think I want the world to know that the ALS community isn't necessarily monolithic in terms of how we function, what we think, and the things we struggle with. We are an incredibly diverse community full of people who want to live and die their own way. My hope for the future would be their patients, caregivers, family members medical providers, researchers, policymakers, and allies can come together to improve the quality of life of families suffering through ALS and to stay the course, perhaps even a marathon, in finding an effective treatment. That is my main hope for ALS. I couldn't agree more, Jeremy. Thank you. A cure would be lovely. And the fact that all of the ALS organizations that are in place could go out of business would be a dream come true. It's obvious that from all of your heroic endeavors that you are on a mission to serve. I heard a little rumor about possible political aspirations. And is there anything that you can share with us about that or give us a hint as to what that might be? Originally. 
My plan was to use my doctorate to teach, continue to provide clinical services to people living with AOS, and to do research. Up until about a year ago, I have always been somewhat private in my political beliefs. But over the last year and a half, I have grown very concerned with the state of America's political process. We have politicians who refuse to listen and understand the other side of the issues. We have politicians who scheme with the media to incite discord and unrest instead of working together to solve our nation's problems. We have many people who are vulnerable, like people living with ALS, who need really help. So, in keeping with my history of service, I have decided to run for United States Congress. While I am running as a Republican, I want to be a bipartisan solution-based problem solver in Congress. I want to corral our legislators for bipartisan laws that help people living with AOS. I want to alleviate poverty and homelessness. I want to reduce our debt and improve our economy so our people can invest in climate change solutions that aren't real jobs where fossil fuels and alternative energy can coexist and grow productivity on a massive scale. But most importantly, I want to enact laws and policies that focus on building our nation's families, which I believe to be the foundation of our society. I heard a lot of once, and I have no doubt that anything that you, sir, choose to do will be a success. Thank you so much for all that you have done to make this world a better place, all that you envision doing for the future, and for spending this time with me today. I will be following your political, what is the word for that? Your political endeavors, your, good question, your running. <laughs> but I will be following your campaign there you go. I will be following your campaign. And also, if anyone would like to support Smile Inside, I just wanted to give uh, one more opportunity for you to share that information so that they can get in touch with you because it's a great nonprofit and I wear the shirt proudly. Thanks so much, Jody, for all of your kind words and for giving me space to speak my mind. You and all the incredible work you do have been an incredible inspiration for me over the last four years. Jody, you've inspired me and you've helped my children as they grappled with our ALS journey. Thanks so much for having me on with you and for sharing my story of gratitude with Latitude. Thank you, Jeremy. And I would like to say that not only has this been amazing, but I can't think of a better person to be doing this with when we are giving voice in a new way on a podcast, right? You are on a ventilator, you are using a speaking device, and that in no way, shape, or form is stopping you from getting your message out. That in itself is an inspiration. And as I said poorly before, but much better now, that I am excited and um, to follow your campaign and your endeavors and see where you continue to grow and evolve. So thank you, Jeremy. Give my love to your family and hopefully we'll see them at Camp HLC. Thanks. 
Jody. Take care, my dear friend. This is WCN, the Whole Care Network. You talk, we listen.